Welcome to episode 252 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. And a little later in the episode, we're going to have a special guest. One, Nikki Gordon is back. Uh, mm-hmm. Nikki was last on when we were doing the uh, social distancing episodes, interviewing different people. Yeah. She was on with the whole staff. Nikki's a big fantasy fan, and so we needed her help for today because, Eric, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Matchbox 20's debut album. I did the wrong research. Oh, I did the wrong no, research. No, we're talking about uh, fantasy alternatives. That's right. If you read the big ones, here are some of the other ones that you might want to check out. Boy, you know what? I also feel like we should we should hit some of the sad news right up front. Comic book legend Denny O'Neill has passed away. And last last week, we were talking about uh, one of his creations, uh, the Green Lantern, John Stewart. We did a whole spotlight on John Stewart. We yeah. certainly did. And we'd recorded prior to the news coming out. So we just wanted to address it right up front yeah. today. I mean, I'm a Denny O'Neill fan Very sad. going back a long, long yeah. ways. I was really sad to hear this news because uh, he's written some of my absolute favorite stories. We've featured his work on this podcast many, many times. Uh, do you have a favorite Denny O'Neill story, Eric? Tales of the Demon, I think. Might have been the first one I read of him. That was his introduction of Ra's al Ghul. He spent so much time as well being like an editor at both Marvel and DC that like he put Frank Miller on Daredevil. So it's, you know, I love that run of Daredevil and that is due to Dennis O'Neill putting him on there and giving, and also he was like overseer of the Batman titles for so long and or you know oversaw a lot of uh, no man's land mm-hmm. and because he had the foresight of that and i love no man's land is one of my favorite batman yeah. stories and who knows if he hadn't you know saw that well i mean like just now. getting back to a serious batman i think you, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of credit goes to denny o'neill and Stephen oh, yeah. Hart for making that happen um but yeah. but we feature i mean for me when we did our superman spotlight he wrote one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite superman stories superman kryptonite no yeah. more this was where mm-hmm. Superman's powers, you know, Golden and Silver Age Superman powers were basically he can just do anything in the world. Like, you want him to juggle yeah. planets, he can do it. And mm-hmm. Denny O'Neill yeah. was one who was like, this character needs to be grounded a little bit more. And his Kryptonite No More story uh, really put Superman's powers in in a realm of, like, what was possible and able to use stories that were a little bit more um, realistic mm-hmm. because of that. And it's just a wonderful story. So, and that's collected in yeah. a nice hardcover in our wonder. Woman and he episode. wrote, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was about to say, he wrote the wonder woman series that at the time was very controversial. It and was. I don't think really well liked because, um, a lot of people saw him as like depowering the, the major yeah. female superhero and like he, I remember watching a documentary where he's like, and now I totally get it. Yeah, I totally see where they're coming from. Uh, I know you like the the series. I do. Uh, just for the story. I do. The thing is, so it's collected in four volumes called Diana Prince Wonder Woman, and in those, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is tired of the the ties with Steve Trevor. She's tired of like Paradise Island ruling her life, and finally she's just like, look, I don't need this to do good, and so she walks away steps aside from paradise island gives away all of her like amazonian strength and just becomes a secret agent and is is going around like doing good just in a in mortal form and the problem at the time was that wonder woman was really the only female superhero uh, with her own title yeah and at at that power level who was like you know could go toe-to-toe with superman 
I mean, was this, this was before then, like, even Ms. Marvel was, like, on the scene in Pretty a big much. way? Yeah. So, and, the, and the thing was, like, now we have the hindsight to look back and say this was just a temporary little trip in right. Wonder Woman's thing. It, it, it was, uh, you know, it was an Yeah, but, like, in the 70s, this has only been for, like, 20 years that, like, yeah. or even maybe, like, 15 years that, like, comic continuity yeah. felt like a thing. Yeah, and it's, of like, it's, uh, it's not just yeah. five issues or something. It is a long stretch yeah. where Wonder Woman is depowered. Yeah. So certainly, certainly in the 70s, you would understand yeah. why people would rightly be upset for, sure. you know, the only female superhero of that stature to lose her powers. Um, right. For me, I liked what he did with it. And I liked how he made it. So like her strength doesn't come from just having like this Amazonian skill. Like she is a strong character because of who she is. And he took that and really told some great Wonder Woman stories for that time. I wouldn't want Wonder Woman to stay depowered like that forever, but no. going back and reading those stories was a lot of fun just to see her do a completely different thing. So I loved that. Uh, and of course, you know, the creation of Jon Stewart, hugely important and his run yeah. on uh, green arrow, green lantern really, I don't know, grounded comics and made them a lot more of a, of a serious thing for people to read and, and learn from. So mm -hmm. um, Denny O'Neill, I think has left his mark on all comics because as you said, I mean, he was, he was editor for a long time and, and has oh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of influence in both DC and Marvel. So the comics that we have today, I think we owe a lot to Denny O'Neill. who was just a great writer as well. You know, yeah. I think he had the um, insights to shape those characters on a grander scale and the skill to yeah. write them, you know, story by story. Yeah. And I've read several of his novels as well. It's just a... Yeah, he, I mean, he created Ironmonger, the uh, Obadiah Stane yeah. uh, in the Iron Man universe. And, you know, that's actually a really, uh, the Ironmonger trade paperback by Dennis O'Neill is a really good Iron Man story. And I think it might have been the first Iron Man comic that I read of that era okay. and where I started, like, going in terms of like where do i start to read iron man trade paperback wise to lead up to like all the matt fraction stuff and everything i think that was it yeah and it, it was still really good and you know he also he was definitely somebody who wanted to get his own moral point of views across and you could tell that by reading his question the yeah. the question series yep. you can definitely read it like oh he was definitely inspired by alan moore swap thing mm -hmm. uh in terms of just like the darkness of it all but he, he's definitely putting a lot of his stuff in there and then yeah green arrow green lantern i mean that was basically so he could you know discuss the problems he sees and like you say when we did the john stewart one one issue they're dealing with things in outer space but then on the other issue they're dealing with uh you know racial tensions and uh yeah. drug use yeah. and uh if you know if if one if one issue had a uh, kid flash, he's like, I found a gun in the medicine cabinet. You know, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be too surprised because yeah. he was like, he was just trying to like get these things across. Yeah, we I, I don't know how much we talk about it on here, but Kevin Smith's podcast, Fat Man on Batman, uh, back when he used to really focus on Batman and he would interview writers, he interviewed Dennis O'Neill and it was a three part interview and it was just fascinating. It really was. Like I could have just, just listened to because Dennis O'Neill, yeah. yeah, like listening to Dennis O'Neill like talk about his own stuff, but also just like how much of comic book history and Batman history he was involved with. And just, it's just like, gosh, it, it, you just wanted to hear about it all. Like, Oh, and then what happened? You know? Yeah. It's just, what, it's, what yeah, it was just all time most important, most influential comic book yeah. writers and, and editors yeah. that has ever Raza been Hul. and ever will be honestly. Yeah. David A. Howe library them. has birth of the demon. Yep. 
by uh, that two of the two of the stories are by Mike Barr, but mm-hmm. he also wrote Birth of uh, Dennis O'Neill has Birth of a Demon in there. Mm-hmm. Wrote it in 1992, uh, so that's a collection of like Ra's al Ghul stories. So that's there as well. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read Denny O'Neill's stuff, we have a lot in the collection, and we can certainly get you whatever you need. But I particularly rec- recommend uh, Superman Kryptonite No More and his Batman stuff. I think is excellent. Yeah, so. it's pretty impressive, too, that he wrote, like, basically really uh, important stories slash runs for the three, the, the trinity of DC superheroes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much every marquee character he's, yeah. he's worked with at some point. So yep. anyway, thanks for the good yeah. times. All right, let's uh, let's open up the old book, see where the bookmarks are. That that's a new thing that you're doing. That, that's a book that you're opening that didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Oh, okay. so it's a bit tired. Yeah, yeah, it's a All yawning right. bookmark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I finished a few things that I'll tell you about. I finished Devil's Heart by Carmen Carter. That's the next-gen book that I was reading for a book club. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Read by Gates Even McFadden. Even the devil has a I heart. Mentioned. Yeah. Uh, read by Gates McFadden, and she w- she did a good job doing impress- impersonations of the other next-gen cast, so I had a good time with that. Uh, Gates McFadden? I- Gates McFadden, yes. I read Cyborg Volume 1 Unplugged for the new 52 run of the character. Uh, probably the best cyborg that I've read so far. I'm currently mm. reading, still, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. This is uh, the Hunger Games prequel. Mm, for yeah, the, it is. For the YA for Adults book club, Kate and I are reading Akata Witch by Nettie Akorafor. Uh, not too far in it so far, uh, but, I'm, but I'm digging that. And I picked up uh, Iron Man, The Enemy Within by Denny O'Neill because I haven't read his Marvel stuff, so... Uh, this this mm. is my first of his uh, his Marvel run begins yeah. at episode one, or issue one fifty eight and goes for uh, a good long stretch. So I'm reading the first collection of yeah. his, The Enemy Within. I only read the I don't know how much more of his Iron Man I read because like I just read the volume that was just Ironmonger. I don't even think the epic collections were out at the time. Yeah, and it was like 2012 when I was reading it. Okay, so I read Daisy Jones and the Six by oh. Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like you finished it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. What did you think? You know, one, first, I, after I finished it, I'm like, do I want to give this three or four stars? Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't, like, sleep because I couldn't think of how many stars to give it. I'm like, wow. this is stupid. Who the heck cares I how do. many stars I, I do. give this book on Where did it land? I know you do, but I gave it four stars. Uh, I think I gave it a generous four stars. Like, I kept reading it. I couldn't put it down. It was a very easy read and very convincing, so much for at the time that sometimes I forgot I was reading like a fiction book. Absolutely. But here's the thing. I found there's two main characters you can think of. There's Billy and there's Daisy Jones. Yeah. And I found Billy to be an insufferable control freak and Daisy Jones to be hot trash. And it's hard to read a book wow. when those are the two main characters. It's hard to like, well, I don't like either of these two characters. And I think... I was supposed to like them and see the good in them more, but I found them obnoxious even on the good their good hmm. parts because I'm like, well, you're I don't know, I the drummer I tell you what the drummer cracked me up Warren yeah is his, his name every time he says something they're like she was screaming and he's like he was wrong and then Warren's like I was outside yeah <laughs> it's just yeah it's just so we should say if you're not familiar with this book it's not written in a traditional yeah. narrative way it's all written no, as it's... if it's just collected interviews of the people yeah, over time in this band the six and what happens when Talking they add Daisy Jones yeah. into the mix see I waffled between yeah. four and five 
and there's a there's oh. a plot point that I thought just weakened it, but it's a big spoiler, so we can talk about it off mic. But uh, we talk about like at the end. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't. That twist at the end. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's, twist. I guess it's not a twist. But... Right. No, it's not a twist, but it is a direction that I wish they would have avoided. And that for mm-hmm. me was like, no, that that cheapens it. I don't. I don't yeah, like I felt the resolution was a little too. The, the end stuff just didn't really work with me. And here's the thing. There was just something about these two characters that... It, Listen, I think maybe you made a mistake. I think maybe you three-starred this book. <laughs> no, no, because I couldn't put it... It did feel exactly like I was reading, like, real history. Yeah, it did. But I guess I just felt like the characters... And not just Billy and Daisy, but I felt like everyone was, like, one-dimensional. Like, this is my view on rock and roll and being in a band, and that is my view. And like yeah, there I was just, very little, but I, I I guess my problem is it's Daisy and Billy are the main characters. And I didn't like them. I was more interested in the other stuff like mm-hmm. Graham and uh, yeah, the keyboardist. I, guess, I don't think I really read it like that. I don't think I really read it thinking like these are the main characters. The way that she puts it together really makes it the whole thing feel like an ensemble. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my word, you're reading about a house yeah. of cards. You know what I mean? And yeah. anything can make this fall. That was where I feel like the tension really was. I guess I could have used a little bit more of that drop. You know, okay, maybe you're right. I should have, but I felt like I had to give it four stars because I was up till 4 a.m. last night finishing yeah. it. Yep. And, you know, it's coming as a limited series, and I think it might be stronger that way. Do you want to listen to Aurora, the album that they make? I do, yeah. I mean, when I, when I read this, it was like, it's just like in, uh, in Finder's Keepers, Stephen King's Finder's Keepers, which was all about this series of books. I was desperate to read those books, and I felt the same way about uh, the album here in Daisy Jones and the Six. I mean, she just sold it in a way that I was like, I have to hear this. So I, I think I am going, I think it might be Hulu that's putting out this, like, miniseries it's hard because like do they do this show like they did this book where it's like an interview it's a look back do they yeah. i think they, they do have it have to i'm hoping that they like put out the album but it would be hard then too because like no way the album is going to be as good as the book tells us it's going to be that's true the book is daisy jones and the six by taylor jenkins reed yeah. which we do have in our collection and on overdrive yeah. so check it out i got it on overdrive yeah nice. it came pretty fast i returned it so you know if you're it's in the available. david a. public area it, it's available yeah. And we talked about this with uh, our new classics yeah. uh, episode a couple of episodes back because Nick's right. I mean, it's timeless. It, I mean, it takes place in the 70s, but mm. that's it's a look back thing. Yeah. So, like, yeah, in, you know, 10 years, it's the 70s aren't going to have changed how they exactly. were dealing with drugs and yep. sex and all that. So... <laughs> Yep. Well, uh, I think we got to get right to it. We've we've got a big old spotlight locked and loaded. Yeah, let's talk about some fantasy books that are pretty great alternatives to other fantasy books that are always being suggested. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. All right, today we are talking about fantasy books but maybe fantasy books that you haven't read or maybe uh, fantasy books that you thought about reading but mm. you haven't picked up. Basically, if you grew up reading certain fantasy books uh, in school or on your own and you're looking for places to go after the uh, the big popular children fantasy books that are out there, uh, we're, we're suggesting... Uh, some I we've got some younger fantasy books for kids and teens, and then we've also got some adults. Though I'm also not going to be super useful coming up with fantasy books that are like being in a a wizard school or something because <laughs> I didn't really read more about that as I grew up as I went on. But Nick and I are also joined by Nikki Gordon from the David A. Howe Public Library. Nikki, thanks for Hello. joining us. 
You're welcome. The last time, Nikki, the last time Nikki was here, Eric, we talked about how it was amazing that it took like hundreds of episodes before she got on the podcast, <laughs> and she was like, "Well, yeah. may- maybe it'll be another couple years before I have to come back." But nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Of course. No. Nope. As soon. Yeah. As soon as you got out there, as soon as you got on Mike, Nikki. I know. And you, you're you going to really, me in. Yep, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, really, Nikki, how could we talk fantasy and not get you on the show? Fantasy is your <laughs> genre, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I like fantasy, All right. I do. All right. <laughs> Can you uh, t- take us back to the early days, then? What, what fantasy series got you hooked as a kid? Well, first, I think it was the films, the animated films. Okay. I watched as, as a very young girl, um, The Last Unicorn, The Hobbit, Pete's Dragon. Okay. Um, I was just fascinated um, by all those. You know, I, I read The Hobbit around 11, and I think uh, after that, the first fantasy novel that I read was Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King. Oh, okay. It was really, I thought it was really cool because it just had like this evil, dark wizard in, in yeah. his book. I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen King, but um, Flag yeah, yeah. is the evil wizard in that. He, he shows up in a lot of his other his like other other books dark um, tower, the dark stuff? tower yeah okay he's in, the, he's in the stand and he's just an evil evil dude okay. did you ever <laughs> watch the black cauldron you remember that disney yes. movie the black i've never seen that is it good yeah okay yeah, i liked it and that's yeah. based on a whole novel for, series for, as well and i remember like for a long time mm-hmm. the black the black cauldron was like the disney movie that we must not speak of because it was too like grown up i think was the was yeah. the argument yeah. against it yeah i watched it Right after college, uh, mainly out of curiosity, because the school's library had Black Cauldron, so I was like, "Let's let's do this. Let's see what it's all about." And it it is a weird mix of like Disney sensibilities with like Don Bluth mm-hmm. animated sensibilities, yeah. and I can see why it has its fans, but also why it's left some people unsatisfied. Okay, it it goes for it in a lot of stuff, but then there's some stuff you can't shake. Disneyness off of it. It's yeah. really an interesting thing. I think I don't think Disney should be like as ashamed of it as they are. I think they should definitely, if you're showing off the Great Mouse Detective, you should also include Black Cauldron. That's true. But I guess it was like PG. Right? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It, an '80s Disney film that was rated PG. So <laughs> I was not allowed to watch it as a child, like for those reasons. It was very like mm. the whole like any kind of like magic or witchcraft was a big no-no when I was a kid. Yeah, but the, the villain is like this cloaked goat man skeleton huh. monster. <laughs> okay, all right. The, it's actually the, it's based on the second book in the Chronicles of yeah. Pridden series by yeah. uh, by Lloyd Alexander, and actually was a Newbery Honor book when it came out back in nineteen. Yeah, I don't know so. how many fans of the book are fans of the movie. Yeah, I'd be interested. But to I know think that people too. who've seen the movie apart from the books tend to think it's really an interesting thing. Yeah. So I love. Yeah. I mean, while we're talking old school Disney with witch vibes, I love bed knobs and broomsticks. Also based on <laughs> also based on a on a book series. Yeah. So that was a lot yeah. of fun. All right. So, Nikki, you think it was really, it was the animated stuff that got you interested in that world? Yeah. I used to watch it over and over again when I was okay. like three, four, five years old. Um, that really got me, uh, I think, hooked. You know, I was kind of a quiet, introverted kid. So I liked uh, the escapism of fantasy. Really? You were quiet as a kid. That's, I wouldn't have guessed that yeah. at all. So that's what a Hard shock. Guess, really, right? What a shock. <laughs> Did the you Hobbit. So now that... <laughs> okay. Did the Hobbit lead you right into like Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing? Did you did you get into oh, yeah. Tolkien's other stuff? Yeah, I, mm-hmm, I read that in, in high school. Okay, loved it, of course. Yeah, and then uh, after that, I think in high school, I also got into Anne Rice and her Vampire Chronicles. Oh yeah, I just liked how different that was mm-hmm, than yeah. the, your normal vampire. Well, her writing style is very descriptive and kind of poetic, and, and I like her use of 
Lestat, um, mm-hmm. the vampire Lestat mm-hmm. favorite. See, I think this is why I'm I haven't read a lot of fantasy is because like the time when it would have hooked me was when I was not allowed to do any of that sort of thing. Like I wasn't allowed to watch yeah. He-Man, I wasn't allowed to watch Bewitched. I mean, if there was mm-hmm. a magical yeah. element, it was like I never I've never seen the never-ending story. Like all of that stuff was oh, wow. just off the table I had, like, for me. I like zero parental supervision as a kid, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Yeah. What, what are your early days? When it comes to reading, I usually talk a big game when it comes to sci-fi, even though I haven't really read a lot of sci-fi. But when it comes to fantasy, Poser. I have a hard time thinking what I read prior to like the first Harry Potter book. Uh, and then I got into Everworld, and I really didn't read a lot of fantasy. Like I started reading fantasy, it was one summer... Uh, gosh, I think it would be like 2009, the summer of 2009. I read The Name of the Wind and by Patrick Rothfuss and Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And like reading those two books and like back to back kind of opened my eyes to what modern fantasy read, was. Because I had read Hobbit and the first two Lord of the Rings books in high school, right before Lord of the Rings came out in theaters. And like I found them a little bit dry and didn't really connect and everything. But when I read Name of the Wind and Neverwhere, I'm like, oh, the fantasy genre does a lot of different stuff than, you know, just the big epic fantasy. So book-wise, those are the big things. I don't think I was too into fantasy even as a kid. I mean, you know, Animorphs, I always talk about being like kind of this soft gateway into science fiction for me as a kid and probably which also led me to like comic book mentality and stuff so yeah i mean i watched movies and stuff but i i just could never really connect with fantasy too much as a kid but i remember i read the first harry potter book because the cover and the description reminded me of the dos game hocus pocus which we had like a shareware of on our of our computer so you know i have to go into dos and right play but like I was like, oh, Hocus Pocus is a boy wizard, and I think he might be in a school. So, like, that led me to that. So, like, I didn't watch any of those. uh, I think I watched, like, Never Ending Story as a kid, and it really (laughs) kind of freaked me out a bit. But not too many fantasy movies either. The biggest, like, fantasy animated movie I watched as a kid would be... um, Secrets of Nim was the mm, movie. Yeah. But even that's a bit more more sci-fi in some ways because of how the rats are like been done not with experiments. It, so it's only in the past, gosh, at this point, like a decade or so, the past decade that I've really been reading fantasy. I wow. think the wind is one of my favorite books. Yeah. It's a good one to start with if if, if you want to jump into fantasy, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember why I picked it up. I Gosh, I really don't. I There was a bookstore where I lived um, at the summer that had a lot of, um, they did um, staff picks. And there was one guy there who, I don't think I ever met him, but like all, all his picks were always so cool. There was a lot of sci-fi ones, but I remember the name of the wind was on there as well. I know, I mean, Eric, I know I've heard you talking about these series many times, but I still don't know what what those books are about name of the wind i mean if you're gonna give somebody in like oh i'm an i i read harry potter i i'm uh but uh you know i want i want something that's a bit more adult i mean name of the wind is actually a pretty smooth gateway there because while the the openings of the and it's a long book while a lot of the beginning is more him with this uh like traveling minstrels and his family and like learning how to do a certain type of magic in the book series 
about midway, he starts going to this magical, this school that teaches the magic that's in the books. And it kind of becomes, yeah, like, you know, what if Harry Potter was written for adults in some ways? So that's a pretty smooth transition. Nikki, it's been forever since I've read Name of the Wind. Yeah, it is more of an adult book. The magic is more complex, and you have to be yeah. really, really smart to get a handle of it. And the, the main character, Quoth, mm-hmm. is um, like this witty, really intelligent character, uh, but but he's he seems perfect on the outside, but he's actually pretty flawed. And you meet him when he's pretty young too. He's yeah. like a kid for a lot of the book, and I yeah. think even by the second book, he's still only like seventeen. Yeah, it's a good storyline, but it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. It's not finished. Yeah. Yet. He hasn't come out with the third. Yeah, book. no, I, I've just finished so, recently so. Um, Wise Man's Fear, <laughs> and I was kind of complaining that it's been like ten years since he wrote the second yeah. book. I'm gonna have to go uh, back and read them because. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The magic yeah. in the name of the wind is sympathy, right? It's where like you have to connect certain things. So if you're if a bird's flying in the sky and you want to get it to fall out of the sky, you might use your sympathy magic to connect it with some oil so that the hmm. bird's wings are now coated and it can't fly. Well, that is interesting. And so it, it it is an interesting magic. I've never been yeah. like really impressed with it. I think it's a type of like yeah. alchemy. Exactly, yep. And um, that's the school that he goes to. For Most of the name of the wind is at that school. Yeah. Yeah, it's him growing up in, in the school. And then in, yeah. in the second book, is more him outside <laughs> the school and in the real world. Yeah. Uh, you know it's more uh, for adults because it's not just about him going to the school, but it's also about him trying to afford going to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, i got to get a job and pay for school. The thing rent. I liked about it was, was the, the musical aspect of it was yes. really cool. He's a really talented musician. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he, he plays a, a lute? Yes. Yeah, a lute. And, uh, yeah, it's like his most prized possession in the world. Yeah. Like, if you were to take his lute and smash it, he'd kill you dead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know what? Right before Name of the Wind, when I was just starting college, I ended up picking up American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Oh, Yeah. I picked that up because I was a fan of Sandman and some of his other comic book work. And so I was like, yeah, okay, let's try this. I was looking for something that was like his Sandman book. And American Gods was, but it was it's a very weird book at times. And so I think it kind of put me off a little bit, even though like it, it's a good book. It has a lot of really interesting ideas. I think like yeah. a lot of the ideas were really like out there in some ways. And so I wasn't quite ready to jump in you know what too nick we've talked about this on the podcast right before that i read kilney mcgregor's knights of darkness mm. the lords of avalon book two yeah yeah because i thought the cover looked cool because right. it was just that handsome aragorn looking figure with a sword <laughs> but as it turned out it was a very steamy romance book and <laughs> i was uh, I the old the switcheroo <laughs> this was right as i was getting back into reading and this book was just on display at barnes and noble and I was like, cool, this, he, he's like the, the son of Lancelot and Morgan Le Fay. That sounds cool. Let's try this out. And then I was like, oh, no, this is, this is a very hot romance novel. And I read the whole thing, but, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. So That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. But you I know think, what? I think you got to finish the series now. I mean, you started it. You know what I mean? I, I started it book two. I think you got to see it through. Um, <laughs> I, but you know what? Night, <laughs> that book, American Gods... And Neverwhere, which is the book that I read like right after Name of the Wind, they're all urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I really like understood what urban fantasy was until I read Neverwhere. And then I kind of 
understood it and realized like fantasy had all these different genres as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I really loved Neverwhere. Never yeah, Neverwhere was much more what I was looking for when I was yeah. like, oh, I want something that's like Neil, like Sandman, and I loved yeah. Neverwhere. That was that was one of my favorites and one I kept like recommending to people. Very visual, very descriptive, yeah. imaginative. American Gods was that was a harder read. I, I felt very masculine to me, and I, I, I found sure. parts of it hard for me to read. But yeah, it was very, it was cool. It did have really good concept. I did like yeah. That. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, Neverwhere is the one I always suggest because it seems like an easier transition. It's kind yeah. of a cool world. Like, it's it's in this, like, other world, but it's a little bit also underground. It's, like, underneath mm. London, yeah. but it's also not directly underneath London. Like, you can't just go down to the subways and find it, but it is in, like, a old abandoned subway kind of setting. It's, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. And the main character is likable, and it, yeah. it's got a lot of, like, really fun characters. Yeah. Slapstick humor, too. Yeah. The Neil Gaiman so. spotlight we did back in episode 51 is one mm-hmm. of our most popular episodes of all time. People yeah. always go yeah. back to listen to that. that uh, was that, that you Gaiman and me? Episode. Or was that you, me, that was you, me and, and Ben? Uh, ben Lehman, yep, who does our music yeah. for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you're making me think of uh, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files. You guys read this? No, it's on my list. I've always wanted to. I've read half of it i think we talked about it i was reading half of it but then i was in a really bad place emotionally and physically at the time and so like like i was just in a bad location and like a lot of drama was going on i mean basically i had to go to a friend's wedding but at that wedding one of the the bridesmaids was my ex-girlfriend had broken up with me a month before then and so i had to drive hours and hours alone to get there and they wanted me to film it so i had to stay and at that time i was reading the first dresden book and i was just like you know what yeah i can't do it and i've never been able to go back yeah (laughs) it's funny how that happens were we reading it together well you bought it for me the reason why i've read it is because you bought it for me and uh, you wrote Uh in the cover this is a gift you have to read it uh and so i did and i wasn't really expecting to like it because i just i don't read a ton of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but I actually really did. I thought it was. I thought it was a really good balance of. Didn't the cover compare it to like something meets the Rockford Files? It did. Yeah, I think it was Harry Potter. <laughs> I, was, I think it was Harry Potter meets yeah, the Harry Rockford Potter Files. Meets the Rockford Files. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. Well, there you go, Nick. Perfect. But I did. I really enjoyed that first book, and I always intended to go back and read more. But you never bought mm-hmm. me anymore, and I never picked up anymore. Right, yeah. So uh, for more on the for more on the Rockford Files, go back to our John Davy interview where we talk about his time uh, working on the Rockford Files. But yes, yeah. the uh, the Jim Butcher novels uh, are really popular in our library, and he has a newer <laughs> series too about. I don't even know what it's about, but it's something in no, the but sky. What I read. <laughs> I remember reading the first half and be and like liking it. It's definitely like what if all the fantasy stuff that you you connotate with fantasy. Basically, like what if Dungeons Dragons was real mm-hmm. but hidden in the real world, and there was a detective who just dealt with it. Well, um, what's, what was kind of nice for me as like a novice in that genre was that I feel like Dresden as a character is also kind of aware that the stuff happening is unusual for the common man. You know, he's like having a conversation with a skull on his desk. Mm -hmm. And he's just sort of like almost acknowledging the fact that like, so this is weird, right? And I think that that's a good entry point for that, for someone like me who, you know, is not uh, big into the genre. But I I had a good time with Dresden Files. It really is. I mean, outside of Name of the Wind, Neverwhere and The Gunslinger and American Gods and Dresden... 
like I, I was, I seemed like I was kind of stuck in this urban fantasy mm. world. I think maybe like even though I was reading some fantasy, I was still kind of scared about getting into like high fantasy or epic fantasy. Sci-fi was easy for me. It's like, oh, it's the real world, but in the future, or you know, all this other stuff. Like that was easy for me to connect to. But like, maybe it was after I read Dune that I was like, okay, not all sci-fi <laughs> is you know, uh, real world and stuff, and you know, free of make-believe. I think with, like, fantasy, I was always kind of worried about, like, oh, but, you know, they just have to make up everything. You you go into a fantasy world, and you're basically blind yeah. going in for so long because it's this whole new... You have to learn everything all over again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think for a while, I just felt like, you know, having read Everworld and Harry Potter as a kid, it just made urban fantasy the kind of, like, go-to for a while. Mm-hmm. So... Nikki, what else do you have uh, high on your list? What are some of your other favorite series? Um, the Dark Tower series was was another one of my all time favorites. Okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. I it's the it's the that's it's, another... I'm sorry. It's these. It's like the other books. Like the Gunslinger is really in that world, but is it the other books in the series that's kind of bounced back between worlds more? Yeah, the the Gunslinger kind of starts it off. Then there's the other books are just yeah, it's it's all it's in Midworld and it jumps back and forth between our world and, mm-hmm. and, and each one kind of has its own unique journey with it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's, you know, it's like a dark fantasy horror yeah. and western all rolled up into one. And it's just uh, I just really love Roland, uh, that main character, and and his you really get invested in his, this journey and his obsession right. to, to find the Dark Tower. Tower. Right. Did you read all seven or is it eight? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the basic, like, he wrote, like, half the series, but he was taking too long or something. And then after he got hit by the car is yeah, what he, kind of inspired him to finish. Got to finish it, yeah. Yeah. He, he said he was, like, at a convention or something, and he heard somebody saying or he read online that, like, that's it. We're never getting the rest of the Dark Tower. And it kind of spurred Stephen yeah. King to be like, oh, I guess I better finish this before another car hits me. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been interested in the Dark Tower, but my experiences to it are pretty limited. Like, I have read The Gunslinger, but I didn't go into it with the right expectations. Like, I just didn't realize just how much of a fantasy it was. And it that one is, in particular, it feels like, borrows a lot more from, like, a, like a spaghetti western almost than, like you said, Nikki, yeah. it has, has that western vibe. But I feel like that yeah. first one, you can just see... Clint Eastwood, you know, the man with no name, yeah. Clint Eastwood's character uh, in that role. So, I mean, I've read that. I watched the Idris Elba movie. Did you like the movie, Nikki? Um, not not as much. Yeah, like, it seems like nobody yeah. really liked it. <laughs> I don't think I um, The place... Bold the, question, Nick. I know. Well, you never know. The, the, the place <laughs> where I was the most intrigued by the Dark Tower, like, stuff was probably the book um, Hearts in Atlantis. Have you read that one, Nikki? No. Okay. It is really a collection of novellas. And so Hearts in Atlantis is probably the most prominent one because the movie with Anthony Hopkins was made. But in the movie cuts out really any reference to the the Dark Tower and, and everything that's going on within that world. But the book is a lot more about that character sort of keeping the younger kid away from that. And I found that really intriguing. And that actually made me want to go back and read a little bit more of the, the books. But what about it specifically? What about the Dark Tower? Do you think? Because I think Stephen King considers that like his, you know, his his magnum opus. I mean, for him, I think yeah, that's it. I what guess. What do you think? What are the strengths of that series, Nikki? Basically, the characters. It's it's okay. just character driven, and yeah, you know, each book is different, but uh, each character is is heroic in their own way, and they it, you know, their backstories and how they relate to the journey in general just is is really intriguing. Get you really. Um, 
immersed into their stories and you get really kind of tied to the characters because they just become so much part okay. of the story. That's what it for me anyway. Okay. King, in my opinion, he has a real talent for creating these memorable characters that just kind of grab a hold of you. So. Mm-hmm. Although those, really char- was, those characters were not present in the Institute, I can tell you that. Eric and I had a bad time, <laughs> yeah. a oh, bad yeah. time reading yeah, I didn't the Institute. That one. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's very skippable. <laughs> <laughs> One of you know what I should mention. One of the ones that when I was a kid that that really like took my imagination was Return to Oz. Have you guys seen Return to Oz? The movie? No. Yes, that is a you have. It's a freaky movie. Let me tell you what. Why I was allowed to watch from, uh, Return to Oz from... and not like Never Ending Story, I will never know because Return to yeah. Oz is a two-hour fever dream. Where what's her name? The the girl from uh, Feruza Balk. Island of Doctor. Yeah, yeah, Feruza Balk is Dorothy. Dorothy in that. Yeah. So I would say The Wizard of Oz actually was, I don't know why, again, I don't know why I was allowed. There's good and bad witches in that. I mean, there's lots of witchiness in The Wizard of Oz. But both of those movies, the classic like Judy Garland and that 80s movie, uh, the 80s movie terrified me. But I've read all of of, uh, Baum's Wizard of Oz books. And I'm kind of surprised that those never really had much of a resurgence. I mean, I don't think Wizard of Oz has ever really sort of gone out of the public consciousness. And mm. with Wicked and that sort of thing, kind of bringing it back, you know, decades yeah. ago. But those books, I don't think, have ever really seen like a big fancy re-release and having new generations discover it. Oh. And I think that's kind of unfortunate because those are pretty heavy fantasy. Like as you get going, there's there's some, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, unexpected things happen. Some super dark things happen in there. And it becomes mm-hmm. a really intriguing series. And, and mm. the movie is very far removed from what the books are actually about. So that would be one that I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, those I liked those as a kid, and uh, I've yeah. probably read, you know, 15 of those or something. I love them. Right. Have you read them? No. Mickey? Okay, no? Okay. But I no. love The Wizard of Oz, so I will, I'm, I'm writing that down. I'm going to check it out. But although I did not like uh, Wicked. I read Wicked, and I didn't like it. You yeah. know... I see. I was familiar with the Bomb books, and even some of the there's there's I, think, I want to say there's 48 of those official Wizard of Oz books. After Bomb stopped writing them, uh, different authors would take <laughs> over, still as part of like the right. official Bomb estate. But I yeah. was familiar with those. I try. I've tried to read Wicked several times, and just could never get into it. I've picked yeah. it up and been like, "This is the time." Nope, I don't <laughs> think so. So I don't think it's uh, yeah. in the cards for me. You weren't a fan of that, though, Nikki, right? No, no. I, I took it on a vacation with me, and I just kept kind of dozing off every time I tried to read it. I just, I, I just couldn't get into it. All right. What else you got in the tank, Eric? What, what are some of the other series that you go to? What really kind of like started this like snowball effect of reading more fantasy and fantasy titles was listening to the podcast Writing Excuses, of which Brandon Sanderson kind of. I mean, when I was listening to it, it felt like he was kind of like the the showrunner. Okay, but like listening to them, I was like, all right, I'm going to read stuff by this. That's how I read uh, Dan Wells. I'm not a serial killer. And I picked up Brandon Sanderson's Elantris off of that. And that was after all the other like urban fantasy I've read. Elantris was like full fantasy. And like Brandon Sanderson's pretty famous for being a world builder and definitely like a magic system person. Like his magic has a system. He works it down to a science. And so like. It was my first time like experiencing that while reading Elantris. And it's a, it, at the time I read it, it was a standalone, but it was also kind of short. So it felt very like entry-level friendly into this like high fantasy, of which it was. Like it's a big fantasy world. Uh, it goes back and forth between these three characters. 
not first person, but in third person, but each chapter is focusing on one of the characters. And, you know, I've had less success recommending it to people. Like, some people have picked it up and not really gotten into it, which kind of discouraged me a bit. But I still really liked it and thought it was a good entry point. But I've seen less success doing that. Hmm. But I don't know. The Mistborn series is one that I thought got better as it went on. Okay. Those are three books. Still pretty long books, but, you know, not like Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones, all that that length. But they're also, you know, world built from scratch, a magic system that's down to uh, a science. It was really kind of cool, kind of like subverting the what if the hero of legend, what if the one who like the prophecy spoke of turned out to be the villain? Mm -hmm. You know, what if he did the quest and Mm -hmm. it turned out now he's a now he's a bad guy. And so like the first book is basically about them trying to take him down. And then the rest of the series kind of follows the repercussions of that. What did the prophecy really mean and all that stuff? So it's kind of like, yeah, what if Aragorn had turned out to be the villain in a lot of ways? Right. When teens would come in and were asking for something because they either read like Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson or they wanted something a bit more adult than the Rick Riordan YA fantasy. I think I did kind of start suggesting Mistborn because it's still she she's a younger character, Vin, and it did kind of feel like a pretty good leap from like YA fantasy into Mistborn. And I think some some libraries even shelve it. Yeah. Like even start putting it in YA. It's kind of like those cross-generational things. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe Mistborn is the one I should have been suggesting to people over Elantris. Okay. He's definitely... His books overwhelm me. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, that's true. His books have gotten bigger and bigger. His yeah. uh, The Way of Kings series, uh, the Stormlight Archive books... I mean, forget about it. I, I only read them on uh, on my Kindle because I'm not holding a book that big in my hands for however long it would take to yeah, read. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then they put them in paperback like that's supposed to solve right, anything. It's falling apart like an 800-year-old book in your hands. The spine can't take it. You know, You're just constantly you, gluing it. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned Wheel of Time a minute ago. How mm-hmm. I read the Wheel of Time, I want to say the first two books even – um, they were they were paperbacks that were split in half. It was like, what's oh, the, yeah, what's the yeah, first yeah. one called? What is the first Wheel of Time book? Eye of the World. Eye of the World. Yeah. It so was you had like, Eye of the World Part One and Part Two. I think they had they had their own little names, but the mm-hmm. subtitle was Eye of the World Part One. Dune World, did that as well, and made it very confusing when you're trying to read just Dune. Yeah. Like Dune separated yeah. into three books because it was so massive as yeah. well. And now I think we're a little bit more friendly. Uh, did you not? Did you start reading Wheel of Time? When I started reading it, because yeah. I started reading it when I was in college. Yes, I did. Well, my wife okay. is a big fan. She's always loved yes. those series and was really excited when Brandon Sanderson picked up uh, the mm-hmm. series to finish it. So, yeah, I think around that same time I started. I've actually read the first two of that series. And I know we, we talked yeah, about this a little you, on our... It's funny because your wife is the big fan. But, like, when I started reading them, both you and my wife got into them so you and kendra were reading them at the same time yeah and you both kind of just stopped at the same point neither one of you got past the great hunt yeah no i but yeah that's true i finished the great hunt i read the first yeah i don't think kendra finished the great hunt yeah so you've read more of the wheel time than kendra now and looking back i mean i i really enjoyed eye of the world i rated that high i don't know i I think it is just uh it is such a commitment you know like oh, yeah. it's because it's not it's not something that's like right on the top of my list. Looking at that like brick of a book and being like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll commit my Listen, time to this. I think Wheel of Time was the first series that I ever started using the glossary for. Mm. 
It and was, like going through Dune all day for me. That's why I never yeah. finished Dune. It was like I couldn't every page with I Eye of the World. I would just go the to the words. Yeah, I go to the back of the book. I'm like, okay, which ones are the red? Yeah. Uh, the the red witches. What what are, who's these people? Where are they from? And yeah. so like I was. I, I usually never am like, okay, glossary, get over yourself. But yeah. with real time, like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate, yeah, I, Eye of the World is not a is not the series I would like hand people just getting into the genre. Mm-hmm. But I think if they were like big fans of Lord of the Rings first and if they had read Lord of the Rings, I think Eye of the World is an easier transition because it's it's very similar to Lord of the Rings when it starts out. It's it's almost like Lord of the Rings fan fiction in a lot of ways with Eye of the World. Oh, you just made uh, a lot of enemies right there. I probably just made a I'm lot of enemies. I'm not going to cut that out either. You're going to have to live with what you just <laughs> no, said. I, I mean, the names are, you know, the names and the roles are similar. It, it does much I I of the world was such an easier read for me than when I was reading Lord of the Rings and, you know, I kind of I prefer reading uh the Wheel of Time series over the Lord of the Rings, but it it is if you're getting somebody who's new who's like you know I I, I grew up I watching fantasy movies or reading Harry Potter it'd be hard to recommend Eye of the World right out of the gate I think. Mm. Are you a Robert? Because it, it, it is just so much. You a Robert Jordan fan, Nikki? Yeah, I, I do like him. Yeah. Have you yeah. read much of the Wheel of Time, or is that not your? No, I haven't read a whole lot of it. No. Okay. Um, I just I have a hard time getting into long series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's fantasy, right? I mean, it's hard to find that standalone. Which I is always like th- look at that before I start reading something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, I mean, it's part of the reason why I picked up Elantris first when I did, because it was a standalone. And it was only, I, gosh, you know what? Mistborn 1 was the first one that I picked up was that was a part one of something. Um, but it took me a while to read the second one. But I was in this kind of, like, weird stage of reading fantasy where I was reading, like, I was reading Mistborn, Eye of the World, Game of Thrones, uh, this Legend of the Five Rings series, and then I would go and read the sequels of those books. And I kind of got in this, like, weird... It took me a while to kind of get out of that. Like, I gotta go read some other series for a bit. Well, yeah, so. I mean, you're, you're an old series reader way back to the Animorph days, so... I know, It makes yeah. sense that you'd commit to that sort of thing. Uh, Kate <laughs> is big into the Patricia Briggs, like, Mercy Thompson series. Have anybody read those? Listen, I was going to transition that because Kendra has been reading the Alpha and Omega series by yeah. Patricia Briggs. Yeah. And she started reading that because she was getting a little bit nostalgic for Twilight. Mm. And I think it's because you and I had been talking about there was this new Twilight book coming out, right? Yeah, the yeah, Edward yeah. one. Yeah. And she was kind of looking like, what's... I, she She wants to read something that's like an adult Twilight, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like fantasy, the fantasy version of Fifty Shades of Grey. And... Uh, <laughs> I think she 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 seems really happy with what she found with Alpha and Omega. Huh. So like, and she she says it's like clicked every box for her with that with being kind of like Twilight for adults. Huh. Okay. So I would you know like we were talking about you know if you had read Harry Potter and you're looking for something else, um, where would you go? I think you know the same same way if you've been reading like Twilight or something YA fantasy then you know there you go i i think patricia briggs has uh yeah. done a pretty good job with that and like kate yeah you, she's our uh she's a big patricia briggs fan she's read tons of the books oh yeah yeah she's waiting right so. there day day of release she's got it i've only read the that we, we have a couple of the graphic novels in our collection and mm. i i've read those and i liked them and had always intended yeah. to pick up that series but again i just i never I have so yeah yeah I guess so. you know this book series i read it's by uh, Taran Matharu. It's called the Summoner series, 
uh, I read The Novice, and I, it was three parts when I read it, and I think there's like a prequel and maybe like a standalone book. Basically, it's kind of like, gosh, Harry Potter pe- meets Pokemon. So, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you really want to uh, win over the reader in your life, I mean, it's basically they kind of go to the school and they become summoners and they summon these kind of like benign, like demon creature things mm. that, I mean, they really are just like inf- infernal Pokemon. Like you have one, it's, it's stronger. It listens to you. Uh, there's fighting, but they go to the school. And it's also kind of like high fantasy. When you look at the cover, I mean, it's this, this boy in a cloak with a bow and arrow. And then the second one is him in the woods and everything. So like package wise, it, it looks very fun and fantastical, but I read it. And the only problem I had with it was that it was written a little bit younger from than for me, but I think for the age it's going after it, like really, you Sounds know, like my son would love. Yeah. I think the, the, and it's, it was popular at the library that I ended up getting, like second copies of all the books in the series because I think it was really starting to find an audience and take off because I, I think yeah you know you just if, if you say anything is like it's this and Pokemon you you've kind of got a winning <laughs> winning formula there and I read The Ranger's Apprentice by uh, John Flanagan and he's gone on to write uh, other stuff too like the Brother Band and whatnot yeah. and that one was also like i could tell this is written for this is a kids book mm. and i don't even think you would necessarily have to think of it as a ya kids book um but it definitely is like a fantasy world that i think people can get into that younger kids can get into i mean he wrote 12 of them yeah. and then started another one called brother band it's a series that i wish had been around when i was a kid because mm-hmm. yeah. like reading it and looking at the titles and going through it it's just like man i would have eaten this up as a kid this this it's so cool that you're just My like son loves all those the ranger's apprentice yeah and he's a huge harry potter's fan and he that's what he went on to after he yeah. the Potter series. yeah i think it's a pretty smooth transition or alternative and yeah it's yeah that, that series reading it i was like i would have i would have loved where were where were all these like cool uh, yeah really cool fantasy and sci-fi books when i was a kid that that's definitely those two are definitely like the ya alternative i tend to think of to go a little younger than that, I think the Spiderwick Chronicles is a pretty solid series that yeah. I think, I mean, it got a movie and stuff. People know about the Spiderwick Chronicles, but I sort yeah. of feel like it struggled in the shadows of both Harry Potter and like Lemony Snicket. I think that it, it mm-hmm. never really quite like popped in the way that it could have. But that one's okay. nice because there's, there's five, it's by Holly Black, five of the main series and there's a three, three a book set called Beyond the Spiderwick Chronicles. But they're all really manageable sizes. They're like mm-hmm. 150 pages tops, and yeah. so yeah, know, she went on kid, to have a pretty good she did young adult career. Yes, yeah, she did. But I think kids even younger, you know, if you're talking about like that eight to ten range. But I feel like the Spiderwick yeah. Chronicles though are perfect for that emerging reader yeah. age. I don't know how these hold up with kids. I had a book club. I did a book club with. Gosh, I think they were eighth graders. And some of them read this as part of the book club. It was the Wizard of Earthsea, Ursula K. Le Guin, which is that a book. Was my the Harry yeah, Potter. yeah, yeah. It was a book I read after college. I just kind of like picked it up mainly because I was working through the Hugo's and Nebulas. And the fourth book, Tahanu, is one of the winners. So I was like, all right, I guess I got to read this series. I never read any of these, and like I was kind of floored by Wizard of Earthsea. Mm-hmm. It was just so good and so like yeah. realized in Earthsea like after reading the first one I'm like I want to live in Earthsea mm-hmm. this like world this archipelago 
fantasy world. It's just it was just so unique and cool, and it didn't really win over the kids I had read. So it makes me think it's a little bit older. It's got but, more of a Tolkien folk yeah, yeah. action to it. Um, but it doesn't feel like she's trying to emulate Lord of the Rings at all. No, it's so no. it's so its own thing and so unique, yeah. and it's really like more meditative. I think. Yeah. Have you read all of those, Nikki? Not all of them. No, I still have to finish. I started huh, so many years ago when I when I mm-hmm. read. I, I think I have to restart the whole series. Not to mm. solve fuzzy in my mind but i think i've only read the first two a long time ago yeah so. i've read up to the farthest shore so i need to finish uh tahanu but yeah with the reversity it's one that like i feel like you know i would want to read to my kids yeah uh, maybe Definitely. maybe that's it maybe it's a book that you just have to read to your kids <laughs> at this point yeah. the main character he also starts very young and starts mm-hmm. going to like wizard school but it, yep. he kind of he goes on and the adventure is it's different than... It's got a than, lot of you know, psychological and moral development. Yeah. Through and it struggles with his identity and, and, yeah. and trusts it. But yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin is a, is a giant in both sci-fi yeah. and fantasy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Wizard of Earthsea was one of those, like, wow, why has it taken me so long? I must have been, like, 25 when I picked it up. I was like, wow, how did it take me so long to read this? But, yeah, that, that was some good stuff. Yeah, maybe not necessarily, like middle school age because that's what i tried it with and that didn't hit on but i I like to see like what would happen if like a high schooler was reading it but i definitely think uh if you're an adult looking for something you've never read with the wizard of earth i think it has a lot to offer nick you read dragonfell how do you how do you feel about dragonfell that's a kid's book yeah dragonfell by uh uh, sarah prinius we had on the show yeah Um, We we interviewed her about it. we did yeah we did I had a good time with it, you know. I, yeah. I thought uh, I thought it moved quickly, you know. Reading wise, mm-hmm. it went really quickly. Um, it went in some directions that I didn't anticipate, and mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, especially you know the age it's written for, because that's I think that's really even lower than a, a young adult, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's more of a yes, a yeah. That definitely is a middle fiction. school, yeah, a middle school uh, fantasy book, maybe elementary school even. I think I think it it had a really it walked a really perfect line of being exciting and tense enough to keep mm. a younger kid interested but not too scary and not too heavy yeah. to turn them away so yeah I, I think that works really well for that age yeah that was a that was a book that i that i also kind of felt like if i had found this like in fifth grade i probably would have really liked it yeah that kind of fantasy that i would have uh dug you and you're right that kind of like level of like adventure meets fear mm-hmm. uh in certain ways and with the message yeah. A message about not being afraid of those who are different than you. That's right. That's right. Which, one, I, one I actually read as a child was one called the Spirit Flyer series by John Bybee. Have you guys ever heard of these? No. I had, no. A, I had a friend who loved, the first one's called The Magic Bicycle. I had a friend who really loved these books and I picked them up and they just get progressively more weird. It's like, <laughs> it's like this, this kid is really obsessed with getting this special bike called a Spirit Flyer bike. And the more mm-hmm. the more he like gets into getting that, there's this other faction who doesn't want them to have um, these spirit flyer bikes, and it just becomes like darker and weirder and twistier, mm-hmm. and becomes a little bit more of like a religious allegory by the end. But I was totally into those books as a kid. Yeah. I loved them. You know, I've said like my first urban fantasy was well, it was that steamy romance novel that i read yeah sure. but really before any of that in fifth grade i read the witches and like it's only involved doing this i'm like that is urban fantasy i mean it's about a boy like learning doll. that they're rolled yeah roll oh, dolls okay. witches yeah. it's about a boy learning from his grandmother that there are witches out there and there's certain ways to take care of them and 
it's dark, but I like ate it up as a kid. I think it was my favorite Roald Dahl book. You know, I like James and the Giant Peach and uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, all, all that. But yeah, uh, The Witches is the one that kind of like stuck with me the most. Like, this is cool. So nice. it's hard because then otherwise, the only other big series is The Witcher, which is I uh, that I've read. And, you know, I've talked about that so many times now as I was reading it here on the podcast. Um, but that would also, it's not necessarily, even if you've watched The Witcher, I, it's hard to, like, recommend the books because they're so weird. And the novels have such a weird structure that I could see people easily falling off of it. But, I really you know, I enjoyed, enjoyed the, I enjoyed the graphic novels, The Witcher graphic yeah. novels. We, yeah, have yeah. That, those, we have that huge hardbound collection of all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I read everything in there. And I thought those were actually really good. So, I mean, I would recommend those. Nikki, what else is on your list? Uh, I think you guys named like all my favorites, but I did have one that I was going to ask you guys about. It's comic book Moonstruck. I've been wanting to read those. It, I've seen featured... the I've seen the Cher movie, Cher and Nicolas Cage Moonstruck. Oh no, D- different. It's, it's comic book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. in a fantasy world. Um, there's a queer romance, and I guess there's a lot of feminism in it. But it's supposed to be. For me, it seems like it would be a good transition from Harry Potter because it's not overly. I am. I'm too much. Yeah, I'm looking at the graph. I'm looking at the cover, and I'm unfamiliar with this. Came as out in 2018. As am I. Yeah. You it's stumped us, Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nikki, how did how did you come across this one then? I YouTube a lot in the morning when I'm taking a shower, <laughs> and, it, and I just listen to to reviews of stuff, and it was okay. on someone's review. Um, oh, okay. You're not um, much of a graphic me. novel reader either, though, are you? No, not a, I read some, but not a lot. I've started out. I used to read the X Men and, and Iron okay. Man, you know, twenty yeah. years ago. But. Sure. <laughs> Nimona is a fantasy book by Noelle Stevenson, who went on to do the incredibly successful Lumberjanes uh, oh, series. Okay. I've read. I don't even know how there's no like Lumberjanes show like on Netflix or Hulu or anything. It's just ripe for that. But Nimona is this fantasy book, and yeah, if you're talking about. Uh, like uh, fantasy worlds that are definitely uh, making sure they're inclusive. Nimona is this really interesting story about this uh, girl who's also a dragon and she's uh, helping. She, I think she, Oh gosh, it's been forever since I read this. She joins up with like this evil sorcerer who might not be so evil. It, it's just this, it's, it's funny. It's interesting. It's very sad at times. It's, it, it's a graphic novel and it's definitely like an easy rec- recommendation. It's standalone, it's really unique. It, it has kind of like a webcomic feel in a lot of ways, but it, it tells this really big story. That's a pretty good fantasy read. I enjoyed that one. And also graphic novel-wise, I mean, sh- she's big, so maybe I don't have to really sell this one, but if you're looking for like a lot of world building in a fantasy graphic novel, like this, this it's it's Monstrous by uh, Marjorie Liu. She won the Hugo, I believe, multiple yeah, times for right. uh, for graphics. And reading reading this series, uh, which is also at the library, it's like three or four volumes now. What like I read the first volume, and it's so much in there. It it almost feels like you should be reading this as a novel. But mm. and the artwork is gorgeous. It's by uh, Sana Takeda. It's it really it's such high fantasy. It's such this uh, unique fantasy world that is it's it is like a full meal of a fantasy read in this graphic novel. It's like it's not one that you can just pick up and you start just kind of like cruising through. If if you're not paying attention to what you're reading about, you're gonna get lost a little bit later on. So I think it's been winning the Hugos for a reason. That's a pretty easy recommendation for uh, fantasy in the graphic novels. Yeah. So. 
All right. Well, let's let's end on a lightning round. Give me maybe your top two fantasy novels of all time, Nikki. Oh. Um, I guess it would be Name of the Wind. I guess I have to say The Hobbit okay. <laughs> just because I loved it. Name of the Wind and The Hobbit. What about you, Eric? You got you got two. Uh, you know, I get nostalgic. So the first ones that I read, like Elantris and Neverwhere and Name of the Wind, are like close to my heart because they were kind of the start of it all. all so. Right. Okay, well. And you, Nick? Jeez, I mean, I, I don't... Okay, you, you only have to pick one. I don't think that I really have an answer to that. I mean, I guess if we're talking, like, on a, on a... For, like, children, I would say the Wizard of Oz books really do deserve a second look because they're they're good and they have a lot going on. Um, I guess for adults, can I say the Dresden Files? Does that count? Yeah, you read it. All right, well then, yeah. You think that's fantasy enough to count as, like, a fantasy? Oh, novel? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, then the Dresden um... Files. And it's a one-season show starring, uh, what's his name, Blackthorn? Yeah, yeah Paul Blackthorn, yep, from uh, From, from uh, Arrow. Arrow. Yep, or ER, mm-hmm. depending, uh, sure. on, yeah. depending on how old you are. Yep. Uh, okay, well, hey, Nikki, thanks so much for joining us for this. I know you were hoping for another 200 or so episodes <laughs> before you had to do it, but um, let's, uh, let's transition into some library news. Nikki, are you excited about uh, opening up at least a little bit? Uh, absolutely, can't yeah. wait. Are you going crazy yeah. being stuck at home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, I, and I'm trying to think of excuses just to go to the grocery store. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh well, you never know. You never know when you're going to need more. Can. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just a reminder, everyone, we are going to be opening up for curbside service uh, on June 29th. You're going to have uh, some set pickup times throughout the day down at the auditorium entrance. So you can place your requests uh, via email to wellsville@stls.org by giving us a call by placing them in StarCat when that is up and running again. We'll keep you posted on that. And then just come down to the auditorium, check them out, whether it's books, movies, magazines, audiobooks, anything you want, uh, we'll, we'll do it right there. The YA for Adult Book Club is currently reading Akata Witch by Nettie Akorafor, which Kate and I are doing, so keep an eye out and read along with us on that. Um, I don't know, anything else, Nikki, that you want to mention that's coming up? Summer, no. summer reading program. Yes, July 6th. I've seen the bags. I have my summer reading program yeah. shirt. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. I'm ready to go. Talk about the prizes a little bit, Nikki. Uh, there's going to be a weekly prize, a $25 gift certificate from the chamber, and a grand prize of a Nook tablet. Nice. Um, Ooh. Pretty yeah, exciting and, stuff. Yeah. Nick is how I read all my comics. Yeah. On my Nook tablet. It is the way to go. My I've yeah. had the same Nook tablet for many, many years now, and it's like Ooh. a constant battle with me in this Nook tablet. I'm like, come on, buddy, just hold out a little bit longer <laughs> because it's definitely showing its age. Yeah, but, I mean, now that I have both the Marvel and the DC apps, I feel like I can never go back. Like I'm, mm-hmm. too, I'm too spoiled by having the uh, the panel-by-panel panel option there. It's <laughs> great. So, Everybody likes right. the panel-by-panel but panel me. You don't like panel-by-panel? Panel? I just read the whole page. Wow. Okay. I don't want to miss the splashes. <laughs> sure. Okay. Understood. Well, usually if there's a big splash, it will give you the whole yes. page, and then it no, will cut I know. down too. Yeah. Right. No, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stuck in my ways. Hey, each his own. You can you can read comics like a grandpa any way you want. That's just fine. What? <laughs> All right. Well, once again, Nikki, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, my that, pleasure. That's gonna do it for this week on the All the Book Show. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.